1975. Context of tape recording is the interview prior to 4244 findings of the defendant Lynette Frome. In the case of the United States versus Lynette Frome, criminal number S75451. Place of interview, the Sacramento County Jail. Persons present during interview, Dr. Richmond, the defendant Lynette Frome, Assistant Federal Defender Robert Hawley, Federal Defender's Investigator David Kraft. Are you aware of the purpose of my All parties are now present. The time is 3.41 p.m. Mental competency right now to understand what's going on and to be able to work with counsel. And apparently you have requested to be your own counsel. So there's particular concern as to whether or not you have the mental wherewithal to meaningfully give up your right to counsel and, and be your own lawyer, so to speak. So if it's all right with you, I'd like to proceed the session examination. I'll be giving a report to the judge and a report to Mr. Walker of the Public Defender's Office and a copy to you. The court order specifies that each of you gets a copy. So if it's okay, we'll get started. Go ahead. Okay. You okay? Okay. That's just a formal letter of appointment. Do you go by Lynette? Yes. Okay. What's your date of birth, Lynette? October 22nd, 48. 48, which would make you right now... 26, almost 27. Okay. Are you single? Yes. I wonder if that jiggling table is going to record every time it bounces. I notice as I write, the table rocks a little. You can hold it What are you charged with, Lynette? Attempted assassination of the President of the United States. When were you arrested? All right. When were you arrested? I was arrested approximately 11 o'clock. Of September 5th? September. 11 a.m. And have you been here in Sacramento County Jail since that time? No, I arrived here at about 5 o'clock. That night? That day. Okay, but since then you've been housed here since that time? Who at the present time is your attorney? Um, this is my attorney, Robert Hawley. Okay. And the public defender's office. Have you discussed your case with Mr. Hawley? We have briefly discussed it. Okay. Have you had any difficulty in communicating with Mr. Hawley? None. Any difficulty in getting your ideas across or getting his ideas back again? No. Okay. 
about how many times have you been to court so far? I think three times. Three times. Uh, I was originally, I have been represented by Richard Walker, who's okay. also with the Federal Public Defender. I think that's E. Richard Walker, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, okay. Okay, and you discussed your case <coughs> to some degree with him also. That's right. Mm -hmm. Did you have any difficulty discussing it with him? No. If you were to be found guilty of this offense, what penalties do you face? From a number of years to life imprisonment. Okay. So that's a pretty heavy offense that you're charged with. Yes. Okay. You have entered a plea, have you not? Yes, I did not get to plea. Okay. When you entered that plea, was that a decision arrived at only by you, or a decision arrived at in conjunction with Mr. Hawley and Mr. Walker? Well, I can't testify to their state of mind. I know what they've told me, mm -hmm. but uh, this is my decision, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I wondered was, when you entered that plea, were you also following their advice, or was it a unilateral decision on your part? It was unilateral. Okay. Yours alone. Was that what you and Yeah, you made it all by yourself. Well, I, I would say that, yes. Okay. Uh, they agree with me. All right. So they concurred. They said, yeah. They concurred. That's okay. Right. If I sometimes use a word that isn't really clear, could be there. Oh, I I'm, do that. I'm, I'll ask. I'm not here to be vague and so forth. I really want you and I to communicate very, very clearly. Otherwise, my evaluation is going to be very meaningful if we're not really on the same wavelength. What would you estimate to be your percentage chance at this point of being found not guilty? I have already decided exactly what I intend to ask the jury for, mm -hmm. and I don't know if I should answer that. Mm -hmm. Well, most of us, when we enter into a situation of difficulty, have at least some kind of estimate going in the back of our mind how likely we are to be successful. Mm -hmm. Oh, I feel, I feel definitely that I have a probably a 70% chance, chance of being found not guilty. In, on the percentage scale. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm not trying to get into what you plan as your defense in detail or anything like that, but I'm just trying to get an estimate about how thoroughly you've thought all this through, mm -hmm. particularly the whole issue of being your own attorney. I don't remember the exact quote, but Abraham Lincoln one time said something to the effect that the attorney who represents himself has a... Has a fool for a client. 
Yeah, and what was the other one for the attorney? <laughs> it went both ways as a fool for a client and I don't know, an idiot for an attorney or something like that. Right. Uh, well, I've, I've been told that. Yeah. And I've discussed that. Uh huh. Okay. And yet you're convinced you can effectively represent yourself? Yes. Because I'm quick when I wish to be, I feel that I can pick up the te technical aspects of it, and uh, I have a definite conviction within my entire heart and mind to carry this through and do the best that I can and uh, therefore feel satisfied no matter what the outcome. That's what I was going to ask. If you lose and you end up spending several years in prison, are you going to feel that somehow you made the wrong decision in not having an attorney? Well, as I said before, I've already uh, considered all the possibilities and I feel that I will be spending some time in prison. I feel this because of the evidence against me, but I'm, I really don't wish to talk about the case. Mm -hmm. I don't feel that I'll be convicted of uh, attempted assassination. Mm -hmm. But you think you may be convicted of something else that will lead to some prison time? That's right. Okay. Now, because I've made a statement like that, this tape recording is strictly between uh, you and me and the attorney and the U.S. attorney. Does he have a right to hear it? He I don't believe uh, so. If I understand judge, right, the, the uh, this will be kept under the judge's safekeeping. That's my understanding. He'll lodge it. This thought that you're quick when you want to be and that you can pick up on technical details. Attorneys go to school for many years. And Mr. Hawley and Mr. Walker have, in addition, had all kinds of experience thinking on their feet, going through this whole thing. But they also have a very large backlog of technical knowledge pertinent to law, which involves such things as uh, knowing when the attorney on the other side has overstepped his bounds and said something he shouldn't say, and it has to do with the power to object and get the judge to rule that uh, certain remarks made are not to be held in evidence, so on, so on, so on. You really think you're going to pick that up that quickly? I think that I could pick it up very mm -hmm. quickly, although I wouldn't say that I'm equipped to handle all the technical aspects of it. If mm -hmm. necessary, I'll do my very best to do that if I'm forced to do that. 
but I am counting on having a co-counsel. I see. Okay, good. And your co-counsel would be Mr. Hawley or That's someone right. from Mr. Walker's office. And I assume that's perfectly legit, isn't it, Mr. Holly, to have co-counsel? It's a possibility. It's a possibility. I think that that would be fair. Mm -hmm. Have you been through a trial before? Have you been an accused before, a defendant? Yes. Mm -hmm. On how many occasions? One occasion. The trial was never carried through. Okay. Have you spent any considerable period of time watching trials in process and seeing how things go and how attorneys behave and so forth. Have you spent much time in courtrooms watching what goes on? I wouldn't say much, but mm -hmm. some. Okay. I, I don't yet know why you want to represent yourself? I'm thinking about what I can and can't say to you. Yeah. Basically, each person in life represents themselves. I don't feel that another person should get up and speak for me. I feel that I, I can um, speak for myself. I mm -hmm. think that I have a good brain. I can articulate what I want to say. I think that's the only way for me personally. Mm -hmm. Because another person represents themselves. The mm -hmm. attorney who gets up has a definite effect on a jury. Mm -hmm. Do you think that in the course of a trial, you're going to have much opportunity to speak for yourself? Well, I'll be conducting the defense. Now, right. any juror who's watching me will be watching me and not an attorney. Yes. Thereby, they will judge me and not my attorney. Mm -hmm. I don't... So you'll get more exposure to the jury in terms of who you are. I will be able to speak directly to the jury. Uh -huh. I will be able to speak for myself. I can't put it any better. I um, I have definite feelings about it. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, I see that. I'm wondering how thoroughly and technically you've thought it through. In a trial, the only time you would literally be able to speak for yourself would be if you took the stand. In other words, to speak my opinions. Right. Otherwise, as your own counsel, you're really not, except in closing arguments or opening arguments, you're really not allowed to express opinion. I'm uh, allowed. You know, as though it's coming from you, you're limited to expressing it as though you're an attorney uh, you know, trying to discredit somebody's testimony or something or other. You follow me? Let's put you in the same position with my convictions. <laughs> That's hard to do, but... Um, your life is at stake, and there's going to be conducted this massive trial that has to do with your life, and you want to be able to participate actively in this defense of your own life. Mm -hmm. This is more important than anything that mm -hmm. anybody could argue to me. This is my life. Mm -hmm and I should be able to defend myself. Mm -hmm. Okay, but I think, and, you know, like you say, it's hard to put myself exactly in your place, but I think if I were in your place, and I have done some thinking about this, I think I would want to actively participate in my defense, but through counsel. I, w I would really want to have an attorney that I could really communicate with. And I would take an active part in my defense, but by being right at his arm and saying, hey, that didn't happen. Hey, ask this guy such and such. Hey, I didn't say that. You know, and let the attorney carry the ball but participate through him as, as my legal know, counsel. As you know, things happen very quickly in the courtroom. They do indeed. And uh, that's my concerns about whether you really thought that through or not because my thought is even if I was really an excellent athlete like uh, a football player, if somebody suddenly calls me to pitch baseball, uh, I'd be ill-advised, particularly if it was already the World Series, to get in and try and pitch baseball, even though I'm an excellent athlete, even though I'm used to being quick on my feet and quick with my hands. If, if it's in an arena where I just plain don't have skills. If your inner why? conscience and your all your feelings, all your thoughts told you this is what you must do, that's what you would do. And you would do a good job. Mm -hmm. Okay, what I would try to do though is to keep my feeling at bedrock minimum and let my intellect run the show. All right. Because in a situation like a court of law, feelings are really destructive or potentially they so. They could be. I understand that. Yeah. What I mean, I'm a court of law is a head trip. That's right. Yeah, pretty much from start to finish, although we all recognize the emotional factors. Did he send you over here to try, factors, to try yeah. and get me to not mm, defend no, myself? No, not at all, not at all. This is my technique of really exploring with you how well you thought this through. Right. And so all I can do is to try and imagine myself into your position and bring up all the questions that I think I would think about before making the decision that you quite apparently have made. So I'm not trying to talk you out of it. That's not my purpose. I'm just trying to explore in as great a depth as possible how much heavy thinking you've given to this issue. Because it is a heavy matter. It really is. I realize that. And okay. that's why I only trust myself. 
Um, Go ahead. Due to some experience that I've had with various counsel, I've discovered that one man's opinion is not sufficient to determine. That's why we have all the members of the jury. That's why we have from 6 to 12 people on a jury. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't feel that I can get through an attorney. I don't feel that I can speak through an attorney. No matter how good the attorney and Robert Holly, I feel is a very good attorney. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you just don't feel you can get your thoughts across through him. Of course that's partly the issue where legal expertise comes in. As a defendant, uh, emotions are going to lead you at times to want to say certain things, which might make very good sense to you, but an attorney might say, "Oh, hey, no, no, that's not the thing to say." <laughs> he's got, he's got the opportunity. If I have co-counsel, yeah. my co-counsel has the opportunity to do this. Mm -hmm. We together can decide exactly what we wish to do and proceed. Mm -hmm. uh, whose trial is it? Well, you're the one on trial. Yeah. That's a good question. I'm not quite sure whether it's the people's trial against you, whether it's your trial against the people. I guess it could be looked at <laughs> both ways. Well, it could be looked at both ways. I'm the one that's in custody. Right. The people are not. Right. Okay. Have you talked at length with Mr. Hawley or Mr. Walker about the possibility of co-counsel? Is that something you've discussed with them? No, we haven't discussed that at length. I think they feel that this is something that's up to the judge. I can't say what they feel. Is it all right or appropriate for me to ask what the chances are that she can have co-counsel? Ask me? Yeah. I don't know. I see. I don't know. That is up to the judge. Mm -hmm. And you don't have any kind of a percentage estimate in your mind how likely the judge would grant that, not grant that? I have no idea. I see. So long as I've been in the office, the issue has never come up. I see. So it would be something unusual. It's unusual for a person to ask that they represent themselves. Well, I know that. It's un it would be something unusual, yes. But not necessarily, not necessarily anything wrong with it. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay, so as far as you know, it's a distinct possibility, but it's not been explored with the judge or anything. Okay. How have you been feeling, generally? I feel pretty good. Are you bothered to any significant degree by anxiety, nervousness, tension? No. Okay. Never have been. Even under these circumstances? 
No, I make the best of any situation I'm in. How about when you go to court? How do you feel then? The first day I walked into the courtroom, I looked at the judge, and he looked at me. I felt satisfied at that time that there was a certain mm -hmm. respect, and I feel comfortable in the courtroom. You have some confidence that Judge McBride would deal fairly with you with your case? Well, from what I've seen, he is easy to talk to. Like I say, I feel comfortable with him. Okay. I don't know his record. I've n I don't know what kind of decisions he makes. Mm -hmm. What about your feelings about courts, judges generally? Do you think that, you know, there is, you know, an inherent fairness about the judge, that he doesn't prejudge the case, that he, you know, makes decisions on the basis of the merits of the cases and so forth? This is the judge's position. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's generally true of his position, that that really happens? Of whose position? Well, of judges generally. Oh, I could never make a statement about judges generally. Yeah, okay, no. so you don't have any... Built-in biases that judges are really a group of rip-offs who just act fair but really make uh, preconceived decisions and so forth. No. Okay. But that's not an uncommon in, belief. In the federal court, particularly yeah. in the federal okay. court. So I, I think generally, we, even though you don't know Judge McBride's track record. Your thought would be, uh, he's a federal judge, and probably he makes honest decisions on the basis of the merits of the case. That's his job, and from my so, as far exposure as you know, to him, that's he would do that. That's what he does. Okay. Well, let me just summarize that. You think he would be fair. <laughs> I couldn't help but hear that you were very upset at the thought of being seen by a psychiatrist and you said you didn't trust psychiatrists. I was curious as to what lay behind that. Well, you have one set of thought patterns more or less in your lifestyle uh -huh. and you are also exposed to numerous people, I assume, who have many problems uh -huh. And these people talk to you right. on a daily basis, maybe. And uh, you are exposed to a lot of maybe perhaps distorted thoughts. Uh -huh. All right? Uh, within all the thoughts on the planet, you uh -huh. have to... Uh, construct a framework in your mind from which to operate and all things considered I feel that it's not right for one man's evaluation to determine what happens to me in my past experience I had a probation officer mm -hmm. interview me and I was very clear in explaining things to her mm -hmm. 
and I felt that it was a good interview, and there was no uh, depression whatsoever about the interview except what I perceived in her own eyes. Uh, I mean, physically, she looked depressed. Mm -hmm. When I saw the report, she had put her depression on me. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, I decided that that was not right. Also, I understand that there's there are reports throughout the penitentiaries made on people during an hour or two mm -hmm. hours, mm -hmm. which is hardly time to get into a person's psyche. Mm -hmm. And these reports, unfortunately, and not necessarily the fault of the psychiatrist, but these reports mm -hmm. go down on the record, the authorities pick them up. If the individual was angry that day, mm -hmm. or any number of circumstances, this goes down on the person's record for mm -hmm. life. And uh, I don't wish to have that type of record. Okay. that you have the thought that sometimes therapist attitudes go down on a defendant's record for life. Is that a fair paraphrase? That's all right. What kind of vibes are you getting so far? Are you feeling as distrustful now as when you originally thought someone was coming to see you? I don't feel distrustful toward you as a person, mm -hmm. but I don't think it would be wise for any person to openly mm -hmm. subject themselves to the interpretation of one mind. Uh -huh. Yeah, you wouldn't want to go on record as saying, well, I'm going to trust Dr. Richmond so much that whatever he says about me is right. That's right. Okay. I see by the press, people, that they often can take something that you say mm -hmm. and turn around backwards and comes out to be nothing like what you meant. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we recognize that the press is in a business, and their business is selling newspapers, and their business is unfortunately not reporting truth necessarily, although right. they're subject to certain laws also of libel and slander and so forth if they don't get things right. Yes, I've been quoted by newspapers on a few occasions where I uh, I didn't recognize my thoughts. Right. Right. You mentioned depression in this probation officer. Have you been depressed at no, all? No, absolutely not. When you recognize that the judge was questioning your mental competency. How did you react to that? How did you feel about your mental state being questioned? He is doing this for the record. Mm -hmm. I assume, I feel that definitely he is doing this for the record. He wants to be sure that he's not accused of making a mistake. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you didn't feel personally no. accused of being crazy or something like that? No. The press has made a number of comments to the effect that you're a, mm -hmm. 
rather daft broad mm-hmm. wandering about in this world following uh, ill-begotten causes and so forth. How do you feel about that? I'm working through it mm-hmm. the best way I can. I feel this trial conducted uh, with a little bit of dignity would help tremendously. Mm-hmm. So you would look for your image to go up well, no, wait a minute. No. The, the judge has already stated that this is not a forum for me to express my views or for me to uh, do anything it, it, for my image, in other words. I'm mm-hmm. just saying that incidentally mm-hmm. that... You think your image would improve, though, by how you would conduct yourself in a court right. of law. Okay. Do you accept the judge's... Um, statement that um, it's not a forum for you to express your ideas? Is that an acceptable limitation to you? Okay, Judge, I I got the message. I'm not here to wax hot and heavy on some of my pet projects. I accepted it, yes. Okay. I saw you throw a glance at Mr. Hawley. Was there something I was asking I shouldn't she's ask? Or? She thought I leaned forward to uh, oh, say something. Oh, I see. Okay. See, I'm already conferring with him. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> Have you, at any time in your life, been under psychiatric care? No. Never been in a mental hospital? No. Have you ever been under a general physician's care with tranquilizers, antidepressants? No. How are you sleeping? Good. No trouble falling asleep? No trouble whatsoever. Do you sleep soundly? When you awaken, are you refreshed? Yes. How many hours would you guess you sleep at a stretch? I don't sleep that long. I'd guess six or seven hours. Six, maybe. How many hours altogether in a 24-hour period? Like, would there be some naps thrown in on top of that? That's possible. Particularly in this situation, when I'm outside, it's all entirely different. Mm-hmm. Okay, but your sleep pattern has remained good. How's your appetite been? Well, Doc, <laughs> the food here is not... Leaves something to be desired. Okay. Okay, what kind of a dietary trip were you on? It's a healthy one. <laughs> vegetarian yeah, diet? Yeah, I'm a vegetarian. Okay. Try and avoid additives. Uh, sugar. Actually, I ordinarily don't eat any sugar. Mm-hmm. Starch. So really, into a, a health food kind of diet, vegetarian, so forth. Were you taking vitamin supplements? No, I don't go along with that. Why don't you go along with that? Well, just as I expected when I thought of doing that, uh, I talked to several people who have actually 
built up such a dependency on the vitamins that mm-hmm. they feel sick when they don't have them. I don't like to be dependent upon okay. anything. So you saw vitamins as a drug that you could get hooked on. That's right. You really want to be independent. I think everybody does, really. What do you think that? Well, I'm saying that. What, you mean, we could argue, we could say there's people that want to kill themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I'm saying is, you know, who does? Who wants to be dependent upon things that they can't always have? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I quite agree. They want to be dependent on something that's uh, uncertain is a very fragile situation to be in. Right. Right. But perhaps to want to be dependent on something that's surefire is... Uh, I don't know, maybe that's man's natural lot. We could debate that, too. What about thoughts about killing yourself? Have you ever had suicidal thoughts? No. At no time in your life? Not serious ones. I think every teenager's probably thought in their life, what if I did this and that would show them? Okay. But I don't, I wouldn't say that I was thinking that. Have you ever had experiences in which there seemed to be a separation of mind and body so that you had a subjective sensation that you could look at yourself from across the room or step outside your own body and look back at you like you were looking back at a third person? Not spiritually, mm-hmm. nor with any great degree of reality. Mm-hmm. I've uh, imagined it, of course, mm-hmm. just stepping outside myself. And looking. Mm-hmm. Okay, but some people have actually experienced it, either no. spontaneously or under the influence of drugs that felt the splitting of mind and body and you know they'll say gee it was like I was up on top of the ceiling looking at myself no I've heard that but I never had had that experience okay have you ever experienced hallucinations either visual or auditory hallucinations hearing seeing things that aren't really there no The newspapers have said, with what validity I don't know, that you have at times used drugs very heavily. You have been on hundreds of acid trips or something like that. Mm -hmm. The news media loves to say that. Yeah. That's not true. Tell me about your drug history, generally. During the late 60s, Mm -hmm. when things were so radically changing, and the young people were out in the streets, more or less. That's a short way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, I experimented with lysergic acid, LSD, mm-hmm. uh, and marijuana. I have never taken any cocaine. I've never tried heroin. I've never had any kinds. I've never had a red in my life, which what they call a red. It's a depressant or something. Mm-hmm. Right, reds, yellows, yeah. rainbows, two and never had any desire to... Uh, down. Okay. What effect did you get out of the acid? What effect? Yeah. What What did it do to you psychically? Oh, that would be a long, long explanation. Well, 
in not too great I'll detail. Tell, I'll tell you <laughs> that it, it hasn't impaired me in any way. Mm-hmm. I became aware of the possibilities of different realities as seen through different eyes, as seen through the, the Chicanos, for example. I went mm-hmm. down in the I traveled in my mind into their world in East Los Angeles. And then I traveled into the ghetto, and I traveled into high society, and uh, like that. I looked into the ways that people view the world. Mm-hmm. Kind of a philosophic trip, culturally philosophic. What uh, partial identification with how see, other people might see the world? This is the problem with interpretation. Mm-hmm. We have to find a word to put on this. Right. All right. That's why I'm asking the question back this way, All saying, right. you know, are we on the same wavelength? I suppose you could call it cultural. Okay. Into the fields, into the rice paddies. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you took the LSD, did you have hallucinations then? Did you see colors or see Nothing trails or there. time lags or anything like that? Uh, colors, of course, are present. Mm-hmm. How much we notice them is another mm-hmm. story. I experienced the type of vision that I had when I was very young. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Well, for example, because you're... Dr. Richard and I'm Lynn Fromm. Uh, I I talk to you and I don't stare at you, mm-hmm. but uh, under lysergic acid, I would perhaps not stare at you, but I'd be more aware of your features. Mm-hmm. I would be more aware of okay. your body language, what you were saying with your eyes, okay. and consequently. I would probably be able to tell more what you were thinking. Uh, naturally, people are pretty much conditioned not to look at each other. Okay. But you didn't freak out and have some wild trips like some people have. They think they're Superman. They walk down the tracks towards an oncoming train thinking they can stop it. Or, no, this you know, is they look at the sun until their eyeballs get burned out of I their heads and things is, like that. I feel that that is an abuse mm-hmm. of the drug itself. I feel that I feel they've abused it. Okay, but you didn't experience any kind of no. trip like that. Um, how many trips would you estimate you had? 100? 50? 20? No, I wouldn't say 100. I would say Maybe. Okay. But I don't think that much. Okay. And as best you know, it it left you with no impairment of memory or intellectual functioning or anything like that. No. heavily and how long did you use grains? Not heavily, ever. Mm-hmm. 
joint a week, uh, joint a day. Um, oh, in other words, what's my conception of heavy? Yeah. Uh, I'd say, I'd say it's more like a joint a week, okay. but not consistently either. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. What effect would you get from marijuana? There again, how do we describe the effects? Just I describe it subjectively right, and see if I can tune into it. Under the right conditions, mm -hmm. I feel that marijuana can heighten the awareness. Uh, sort of like acid? Well, acid, of course, is much stronger. Mm -hmm. Okay, would it be like acid, only weaker? No. no. Well, then, if you've never had LSD, I could never explain it to you. Yeah, I... I have some idea because I've talked to so many people who've used it. I think I can imagine to some degree what it's like. Well, it is an imagination. That is, that yeah. in truth is much what it does is opening yeah. up your imagination. But right. you couldn't imagine unless you had that. Okay. It did not make you hallucinate or anything like that. What, marijuana? Yeah. No. Okay, any other drugs that you've tried besides acid and marijuana? Did you get into stuff like uh, STP, psilocybin, peyote? No, I've never had any of those. Okay. How about alcohol? I've always been opposed to alcohol. You've no. never been drunk once? Oh, I have. Yes, I have. Okay. When I was young, particularly, and I've been drunk before. Did you experience alcohol as a downer? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Not that I've cried, but it. What, what I mean by downer is it decreases the awareness. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you've not been a heavy user of alcohol. Absolutely not. I'll tell you something that I don't understand. Okay. Why it's made to be such a big joke on one end and such a terrible, terrible, serious problem on the other in our mm -hmm. society. Mm -hmm. We have people laughing in the comic strips and mm -hmm. on TV about the poor guy that's stumbling down right. the street. Every mm -hmm. comedian has it as part of his That's bit. right. And also yeah. the sophistication of right. being... At this point in time, Lynn, are you on any medication of any kind? No. How's your physical health right now? Good. Are you generally a physically healthy person? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
Have you had any serious or major illnesses or injuries um, you know, other than the usual childhood diseases like measles, mumps, swooping cough, stuff like that? And no. Any kind of serious illness? You ever had hepatitis? No. Operations? No. How tall are you? Five four. And you weigh about? Right now I guess about 106. Is that your average weight, your typical weight? My average weight is 110. Okay, you lost a little bit since you came in here? or mm -hmm. Is that because you're passing up some of the goodies they were trying to feed you? Time left. I don't think we got started until probably about a quarter to. I didn't jot the exact time. Uh, I think that's about when we got started. I hope it's about that. I'd like to ask just a little bit about your background, not in any great detail, but like where were you born and raised and how big a family did you come from and so forth. Do you think that's important to my psychological stability at the present time? In some aspects, yes, and particularly in terms of your relationship with your parents and how that might reflect on your relationship with people in authority generally and so forth. Since in order to go before the court of law, you know, when an attorney goes before a court of law, he's immediately under all kinds of authority and has to live within a certain schedule of rules and regs and so forth, and so I wanted to explore a little bit about your past life and how you did with rules and regs and how you got along with various authorities and so forth. Well, uh, I have learned much, and I never was very rebellious. I mm -hmm. never got in very much trouble when I was young. Did you come from a large family, small no. family? small. One brother, one sister. Okay. Both younger. Younger. How'd you get along with them? Good. I love them. Have they had any legal difficulty at all? No. You've kind of ended up being the black sheep. <laughs> I don't know what they're calling me now. Well, I mean, you're the one that's had problems, uh, at least as far as society is concerned. As far as they're concerned, yes. Okay. The problem child, in their eyes. Are mom and dad living? Now, does this go on the record, that I'm the problem child? Oh, Don't you understand the so. inference of that type of statement? Well... Put it in brackets to indicate that's my word. <laughs> okay. Well, we're, we're talking now. Remember, what I just said, from my parents' viewpoint. Right. 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 Well, we're not talking from my right. viewpoint. Yeah. Well, my comment here was: patient is seen as the problem child, not that you are the problem child. You understand that they see you that way. We have a we have a very actually I think it's a unique understanding. Mm -hmm. My uh, parents and I. 
rather than viewing me even as a problem child, they accepted the fact that I wished to be independent. Mm -hmm. And they actually literally uh, allowed me to do what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I was going to say cut me off, but they, they uh, didn't do it too severely. As you were growing up, how would you generally categorize your relationship with them? Smooth, locky, when, whatever. In, during a period of time. Oh, let's say up until your teen years, in your pre-teen years. I, we had a good relationship. With both mom and dad. Were you closer to one than the other? No. Could you just very briefly characterize them as warm, cold, friendly, distant, loud, quiet, passive, you know? How about that? I would describe them as passive. Mom and Dad. That's right. Both relatively quiet people. That's right. Father very afraid. Do you know what he was afraid of? People have different fears. Mm -hmm. Some some people are afraid of water. Some people are afraid of other people. Mm -hmm. They're afraid of their, their own image getting mm -hmm. across to somebody. He had various fears like that. Mm -hmm. okay. Did those fears uh, get openly shown? I mean, it was very obvious Dad was a fearful guy. No, it wasn't obvious. Maybe that's a kind of retrospective adult thought you have about him. I understand than, him. You know, sure. You weren't thinking as a little girl that my daddy's scared. No. Okay. Doctor, can I cut in a moment and switch this tape over? Okay. Get sure. to the end. We'll just go ahead and proceed. Then. Should, you should kick so out a record when you get down at the end, Very good. and then just flip it over. And <coughs> Who made the? rules at Homeland. Who was the boss in the family? I'd say both of them. Okay. Sort of equally authoritative. And no major clashes with them. No major problems. The the paper or Newsweek or somebody, I don't remember where it was, you've been written about in many different Publications. They said something about you're having had some kind of a major clash when you were 16 or something and getting booted out of the home. I know, they like to talk like that. Yeah. What did happen? What were the circumstances of your leaving home? How old were you? And when I left, I was 18. Okay. And, and you weren't leaving because somebody said, get out, we don't want you around or something like that? Uh... My father and I had a discussion and we didn't agree. It mm -hmm. was about something probably uh, very minor. I don't even remember that. Mm -hmm. And he told me to leave. I see. Okay. How far did you go through school? I just graduated from high school. I began a semester at El Camino College. 
What were you into studying? What made you decide to stop school? Uh, he told me to leave the house. I see. So you had no way of supporting yourself and going to school and so forth? Well, it was just the circumstances that presented themselves at that time, and uh, I didn't go back. Mm -hmm. I was also dissatisfied with school. Mm -hmm. I wasn't learning anything. Person has to be wide open to learning. Yeah, there just wasn't time for you to do that. No. When you were in high school, what kind of grades did you get? During the, the uh, former part of high school, I got very good grades. The latter part of high school, I became disinterested. I was more interested in uh, literature. Did you fail any courses? No. So the early part of your high school career, maybe A's and B's towards the end, C's? Mm -hmm. Did you have any particular run-ins with teachers, principals? No. How'd you get along with the other kids? Fine. Have you ever had difficulty? Maintaining friendships. No. You're not a loner. I would. I wouldn't answer that. Mm-hmm. Well, what? Sometimes a loner. Sometimes more social. Well, oh, I'm I'm social. I guess you could say mm -hmm. I'm social, but I'm not all, always. I'm not social in all instances. Mm -hmm. I couldn't be uh, classified. Either way. Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm asking is, do you sometimes open up and develop very close and intimate friendships where you oh, really absolutely. are very close to people? How many really close friends would you estimate you have now? Well, I can't think about it. I would say 12. 12. Okay. That's a good thing, number of close friends. People you really trust. time you were charged with something and the trial didn't come off, what were you charged with then? Dissuasion of a witness. Why was it dropped, Lane? The, it was not dropped. The original charge was attempted murder. Mm -hmm. This was a case where a girl allegedly received a hamburger with LSD in it. Mm -hmm. uh, she allegedly received the hamburger in Hawaii, and at that time I was in the States. Mm -hmm. uh, but this was brought as a conspiracy, and due to the Tate LaBianca trial that was going on, it was going to pass through uh, mm -hmm. with publicity. Uh -huh. okay. Consequently, uh, 
I accepted a disposition. Isn't that what you call it? Would you plead guilty and do some time or something? No, contender. I wouldn't plead guilty, <coughs> but I did plead no contender. And uh, received three months on the county jail. Okay. How did you feel while you were incarcerated? Was, it, was that a really bad trip or got along all right? Or? Well, because of the, the place, Los Angeles County Jail is, I would say, is a, a very bad place to be incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Because of the, how large it is. Uh, Being very impersonal. That's right. But I got along fine. Got along with the guards and inmates alike. Has there ever been a time in your life when when you got pretty paranoid, when you got really suspicious of the motives of others? time when you've had, uh, let's say, a belief that somebody was a person, an organization was out to kill you, poison you? No. Mm-hmm. Not troubled by any such thoughts at this time. I mean, you know that the government's out to get you, but I mean... Beyond that, you're not thinking that there's any personal vendettas against you? communication with your family at all at this time? Sending you letters or visiting you or anything? Would you characterize your present relationship with them as distant or cool or most parents would rush to their child's side in a time of difficulty. So something is amiss in the, uh, you know, As I said, we have very Pat understands. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has, my father has different opinions. He said, you can come here on these conditions. Uh, I said, but how if, if we were to check it or anything, that's what's concerning me. Oh, oh well, you'll just record a little bit and then stop it and just rewind it right. This guy knows his business, right? Present time, then the, the charges against you are that you acted all by your lonesome, right? That's right. 
So there's not going to be some kind of uh, allegation, as far as you know, that you're still a tool of the family or something like that. No. To get these, get the president. <coughs> I feel like I ought to ask something about your relationship with Manson and the family, not in any detail, but again, I'm aware that there have been, you know, all kinds of allegations in the press that, you know, it was a really, what, crazy, hedonistic trip. Right. This is um, people's desires and fantasies. Yeah. This is another thing that I'm under. He's under. Can you can you give me just a brief overview of your relationship with Manson and the family, uh, so that I can say I covered it in case anyone asks. Who would ask? Well, I don't know, but I'm sure you know much of all of this has been seen at times by people as though this was an extension of certain beliefs on your part that got started at the time when you were with the family and so forth. Um, I don't know who would ask. It just seems like it's a very big chunk in your life between 18 and the present time that I don't really know anything about from your own lips as to how your your life went mm -hmm. in the intervening eight years. And that, again, would take a great deal of explanation because of what you've read. Yeah, I have to well, I'm not assuming that anything I've read is accurate, rest assured. Can you kind of give me a synopsis of what happened between 18 and now? Is that possible? Well, as much as I feel that I legally am obligated, I don't feel that I'm legally obligated to say anything, but I can say that. Uh, like most young people during yeah. the late 60s, we did a lot of traveling around. We did a lot of meeting people. We were not hedonistic. We're mm -hmm. uh, solely uh, the thought of being uh, out only for pleasure. Mm -hmm. We were concerned about what was going on, what people were thinking, uh, how people were being treated. And we found dozens of young people out in the streets. Mm -hmm. Uh, some of them were taking care of themselves fine. Mm -hmm. Others of them were being abused mm -hmm. by any number of people who found out that they could just swoop into San Francisco and pick people up. Mm -hmm. And it was my feeling to um, offer these people a place to stay. For example, it was me who went out and found a, a young runaway girl one day who didn't have a place to stay and said, come on home with us. Mm -hmm. And um, subsequent to this, we young people would come to our house and say, can I stay here? And we'd say, you can stay here, but you know, you're going to have to be quiet. You're going to have to respect the place. And, you're, and if you just want attention from your parents, and if you're going to uh, take drugs, then you can't be here, because mm -hmm. we, don't, we don't do that. You can live in the back, you can live in the woods if you want. Uh, we'll see mm -hmm. that you're fed, we'll see that you got food, 
see that nobody hurt you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ran into a number of young people who told us anyway that their parents were abusing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, one girl, in fact, who later testified against us, uh, told, called us up, told us her dad was beating her. And she was crying and she said, would we come and pick her up? Of course we'll come and pick her up. Um, the police were aware that mm-hmm. there was there were people young people in the background mm-hmm. and that we were uh, we found ourselves a ranch mm-hmm. uh, kind of a foster home operation well we weren't uh, telling these people anything these young people we we just offered them our land more mm-hmm. or less. what they wanted to do was up to them mm-hmm. as long as they didn't abuse it uh, I believe it's healthy for anyone to live in the woods. I don't. I wouldn't send a kid to the to the streets. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had this land available, and we let them live mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we did not have sex orgies mm-hmm. and drug orgies or cult meetings or. Uh, hanging Christ in effigy or pretending Charlie was Christ or anything of that nature. This is all comes out of people's imagination. Uh, we were actually very healthy. We found out that by giving to each other and supporting each other and building each other up and uh, realizing that there is a joy in giving, there is a purpose in being able to uh, serve each other, uh, we found great satisfaction. Do you believe in God? Certainly. Okay. Do you believe in Christ? I believe that God is creative force. Mm-hmm. Li- uh, life force. You don't believe in Him as a Universe. personality? No. Okay. Do you believe in Christ? I believe a man hung on the cross and gave his life. Do for, you think he was the Son of God? I believe that as God being life itself, uh, the universe reflection. Okay. So you don't accept Christian I, doctrine as such, in terms of his being a personal savior that came and took everybody's sin on his back and died for them. I believe that he did indeed do that for humanity. Mm-hmm. I believe that he did. But there as a man. a purpose why he's been there. Right, okay, but as a very good man, not as deity per se. Uh, we are all potential deity without okay. a lot of the confusion that we um, weigh ourselves down with and carrying the load. Have you seen Charlie as deity? I just said doctor. Right. You said you didn't see him. You didn't think he no, was no, no. Christ. Said, we are all we all have life force running mm-hmm. through us. We The right. life force is the God. The tree is the God. Anything that's alive as opposed to okay. this uh, inanimate. Okay. Life force is God. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, what might philosophically be called pantheism. God is in everything, everything that's alive, anyway. An expression of God, yeah. Yeah. Right. I've never heard that term, pantheism. 
hope I've got the term right. I, th- I think it's just a general philosophic concept that God is in everything. That God is diffused throughout nature. Well, if I was going to worship something, I would, I would worship what's here. I think we have a beautiful earth. Hard to see sometimes. You're right. <laughs> many, many scars. Are you doing anything about it? Yes. Yes. Um, have you ever had any severe head injury? No. Ever had fainting spells, epilepsy, convulsions? No. tell you something that you might do is work on uh, getting the drug commercials off the television. You know how powerful mm-hmm. suggestion is. Yeah. We don't really need to hear about headaches, you know, 20 times yeah. in a day. Right. Your involvement in the current events, the current offense, that is in no way related to your relationship with Manson, the family, just a... Well, you're asking me again, why did I do what I allegedly did? Well, no, I don't want to get into that, because he's going to object. (laughs) He's not objecting, he's just told me, you know... Right. No, I don't want to get into your motives for doing it. But what I'm trying to do is just... Well, that's it, it's, a hard, it's a hard test to do what he's saying. Ordinarily, I would conduct this examination under 4244 by asking you a lot of things about the offense. Because, particularly if you're going to represent yourself, because a significant part of being able to represent yourself has to do with whether you remember what happened, whether you remember your motives, Etc. 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 But because of the nature of this case and so forth, some special rules have come into play, which I don't fully understand because I'm not an attorney. Ordinarily, under 4244, you could bear your soul to me about the whole blasted offense and every intimate detail about it, even if you were guilty of sin. That could not be used to incriminate you in any way, unless you and your counsel raised some issue or gave me on the stand the authority to talk about it. You follow me? Usually you're protected under 4244 against any kind of incrimination. Tell me this. There's some special don't you, rules. Don't for you it. feel that? I'm not saying uh, that you can anal- analyze whether I can handle the technical aspect, but don't you feel that I'm an alert person? Yes, I think you're an intelligent person. I think you're an alert person. I think you're a bright person. That's, I isn't think that you're, you're probably overestimating your ability to think as quick as an attorney on your feet. Now, if you indeed can have co-counsel, then you know I can see where that might bring it off. Right. But if co-counsel wasn't a possibility, I would think you'd do well to heed the words of Lincoln. And uh, even if it was mediocre counsel, even if you didn't have really top-notch counsel, you'd be better off represented by counsel and doing it yourself just because of the realities of a courtroom situation. But, Doctor, don't you think that you're here to determine whether I'm mentally stable and fit 
Yeah, what I'd also like to do, and what I can't do, though, is to ask you something about the offense to see how you react emotionally when you're getting into talking about the offense. Do you follow me? When you go to a court of law, it's all going to be laid out in graphic detail. There's going to be photographs, there's going to be all kinds of witnesses, there's going to be all kinds of allegations as to what your motives were or weren't, and so on and so on. And those things are going to present some kind of psychological stress to some degree. And so my ordinary approach in this kind of an examination would be to ask you in great detail about the events, relying on the federal provisions under 4244 to protect you against self-incrimination. Wouldn't be incriminating you, but but the rules are Why changed. Just call me a name and see how I react. <laughs> Let me ask some things try, without telling you. Do you recall the circumstances of the offense without talking about any of these circumstances? Can you recall them clearly? Yes. You can recall that period of time in which the offense occurred without any difficulty. Okay. It makes it a difficult 4244 because usually I, you know, I, I go into it by way of being a kind of stressing situation I and, and then trying to observe the defendant under that stressful situation, uh, you know, because uh, that's all going to come out of the time of trial. When you have discussed your case with uh, Mr. Hawley or Mr. Walker, has that been... Um, a significant emotional stress for you to talk about the offense and what was happening then? No. Okay. In slang phrases, you can discuss it all and keep your cool. Absolutely. Okay. And I assume that means then that you are capable of going into the nitty-gritty of whatever happened without coming unstrung. Yes. Okay. How do you respond when people call you names? I know where I am. Okay, well, people, in a sense, if I understand you right, you anticipate they're going to be calling you names in a court of law. Well, I've been called names. They're, they're going to make you out to be some kind of a real pariah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A real what? Pariah. What's somebody, a pariah? well, somebody that goes around kind of uh, living off of society and in. in uh, Did you ask me to define it? <laughs> uh, somebody that lives off of society, you know, in a very shady or illicit or um, bad fashion. Is yeah. pariah somebody's name in history? No, no, I think pariah. It comes from a Greek mythology. Is it? Oh, is it yeah, Greek that's mythology? what it sounds like. Did I define it right? I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I'll use some other words. How about promulgate? <laughs> okay, but you're you're aware of the fact that people are going to be trying to make you out to be a real bad guy. Mm -hmm. Okay. The prosecution. We'll, we'll try to say this is this is a real, real sinister character, and she ought to be locked up the rest of her life. 
that we have to throw the key away and shot and never have the opportunity to ever harm anybody again. Do you think that the prosecution should do this if he doesn't really feel it? Or he's just carrying on the case of the government? I don't think the government has any personality in it. Well, we could talk at great length, and I don't presume to really know the legal system, but to the best of my understanding, the legal system doesn't really deal in justice. That's the public myth. The legal system deals in due process. There is an assumption made, which sometimes is true and sometimes false, that if due process is followed, justice will result. Now, you and I are each aware that some people who are obviously guilty have been gotten off by very clever attorneys. And from our point of view, that's certainly not justice. If justice means that the, guilt ought to get, the guilty ought to be punished and the not guilty ought to go free. We also are both aware that many not guilty people have been found guilty and sent to prison because they had lousy counsel. So, there, there's my case. Okay, so there's a presumption made that in the adversary position, and this goes back to your question, is it right for the prosecution to make you out to be this real bad guy? Well, I can't judge finally whether it's right or not, but the assumption is that the prosecution is going to make you out to be the devil, and the defense is going to make you out to be an angel, and somehow a perhaps somewhat befuddled group of 12 men and women mm -hmm are going to try and decide from all of that what they think is going on and whether, in their opinion, you ought to be punished or how much you ought to be punished if they make a recommendation to the judge and so forth. So I'm not going to try and judge that. There are some obvious defects in the system from my point of view. But on the other hand, any time human beings are going to be involved, as you said, it's rather frightening to think of leaving your fate in the hands of another human being. So the attempt is to put your fate in the hands of a process. Unfortunately, that process has to still be mediated by human beings. Unfortunately, in some respects, it's a little bit old. In that regard, I was going to ask you, uh, I assume the answer is negative. You don't believe that there is some day of final judgment when all things and all people finally will be judged by a God, by a final authority. I wouldn't say that I don't believe that. Okay. I believe primarily that people judge themselves mm -hmm. and that uh, each man and woman must look at themselves. Mm -hmm. In life and death. Okay, maybe there's just a question mark still in your mind as to what finally happens, if anything, when all this is done. When all what's done? Our life here. Oh. Whether there's a life hereafter, and if so, under what conditions, and so forth. Well. I don't believe we'll be given unlimited earths, I'll tell you that. I think we have a good one, you know? Yeah. Okay. Do you get angry very often or very easily? 
You lose your cool to no. anger. No. And you don't cry easily or frequently. I'll tell you. Um, if I feel that it's necessary for me to be uh, businesslike, let's say, mm -hmm. then I can conduct myself that way. Okay. Are you convinced you would need to be businesslike in a court of law? Sure. I have definite feeling, but I can uh, sublimate it. Mm -hmm. What made you do the X in your forehead? point of that? What was the purpose of marking yourself? Well, um, it has different levels. On one level, it is a, a cross that's falling, a falling cross. Mm -hmm. uh, on another level, it is uh, an X, mm -hmm. and the X is we are marked out of the system as it stands. We don't go along with it. Mm -hmm. And by go along with it, I mean, uh, it needs to be changed. Mm -hmm. This was the, the uh, step that we took. Mm -hmm. And many, many people criticized us. Well, yes. We will be through very shortly. And, and then Lynn will be able to... Uh, I'll, I'll wait until... Can you hold it for psychiatrist if I didn't ask you some of those clever questions like, what does it mean when people say, don't count your chickens till they're hatched? I don't think you won the case when you haven't started. I don't think you won the case when you what? We haven't started. Okay. Don't believe it until you see it. Okay. I've covered everything. I'd hate to try the rain screen recorder and everything else. <laughs>
Then I, I certainly uh, think you have the capacity to waive the right to counsel. And, uh, I certainly find her to be competent under 4244. Certainly don't find any overt signs or symptoms of mental illness. I have my obvious concerns about her belief in her ability to field the kinds of activities that go on in a court of law. Um, I've been in courts of law many times in medical legal work and not ever tried to be an attorney. And the more often I'm in a court of law, the more thankful I am that there are attorneys and should I ever be charged with something. Uh, like I say, even if it was mediocre counsel, I'd want to have there. Because even mediocre counsel knows the rules of the ballpark inside the courtroom that I don't know. Certain ways of fouling out and so forth, and, uh, and even if you're in the process of making a very telling point, and, and you cross the boundary, somebody can suddenly object, and unless you have all kinds of cool and reserve, it'll just completely derail your thinking. And an attorney is set to deal with that. As a matter of fact, he hopefully knows those boundaries so well that even if he purposefully steps over it to test the judge or test the other counsel to see if he can get away with something, if the other guy wakes up in time and objects to the foul, uh, you know, he uh, doesn't lose his cool and steps right back in. Uh, were I in a court of law trying to defend myself, I'm sure, particularly if I had the conviction that you have that you've got to prove something and my emotions would get involved, and uh, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be able to follow those those foul lines. Uh, I'd step over them, I'm sure. But if you had the convictions that I have, you would train yourself, and, and you would um, make it a point not to step oh, over. Time I would train myself, but but you know, I don't see uh, how I can sit down, and I don't see how Michelangelo could have trained himself to be a great sculptor and artist with his first work. You know, he botched all kinds of canvases and yeah, all kinds of stones before he finally got there. Oh, okay, but but you've got one chance. you got one block of marble. And you want it to turn out to be a masterpiece. And you've never sculpted before. Take it easy. Well, okay. Okay. You have a right to do that, because I don't think you're crazy, but I'm not sure you're making a wise decision but I'm not asked to pass judgment on whether or not you're making wise decisions or not. No, I would... I'm simply asked to give an opinion if I understand right, whether it's a crazy decision or not, and I don't think it's a crazy decision, as best I understand. And again, the examination is somewhat truncated or cut off by the fact that I can't really go into these issues with you and ask you in greater detail what kind of a defense you planned and the charges and this and that and the other thing. Bob, I, I think I've done my thing. Uh, I can't think of anything else I should ask you. Should, should just press. All, all okay. that I, is there anything you wanted to ask me? Or, or is there anything else I need to know about you in order to render a meaningful opinion about your present mental competency? No, I don't think so. The only thing I would ask is when we would receive a copy of your report. I plan to type it up tomorrow, and sometime probably by tomorrow afternoon, I'll drop it by the judges' chambers, 
and I assume then the judge will distribute it to you, and you'll probably bring a copy to uh, Miss Fromey. Right. Okay. They will be in court Tuesday morning. Right. Now I understand the judge will want me there also. Yes. Are we I'm having a hearing? This interview was terminated at 526, September the 21st, 1975.